What's up, guys, and welcome back today to another episode of World of Wally. Uh, a little sneak peek into who we're going to be talking to today. My guest today is Mr. Billy Van Zant. I know the name sounds familiar. You Southern Rock fans with the Van Zant family of Leonard Skinner. Uh, we actually talked about that. He has a very interesting story that we're going to talk about a little later in the episode about the Van Zant and the Van Zant name. He says most probably they are related, but as he knows of right now, he's not sure. Let me tell you a little bit about who we're going to be talking to today. Like I said, Billy Van Zant. He had a writing partner named Jane Milmore, the late Jane Milmore. They wrote uh, 25 actual plays. They are considered, him and his writing partner are considered two of the most often produced playwrights in the world. Where they really found their niche, where they found where they were headed, was when they got into television. They were fortunate enough to work alongside uh, people like Newhart, Martin, Suddenly Susan, D.L. Hughley, and many others, like the Wayans Brothers, for example. Now, Billy didn't just stick to just writing. He also tried the acting. He debuted in Jaws 2. He also had appearances in the movie Taps alongside Tom Cruise and Sean Penn. He also was in Star Trek, The Motion Picture, and Awake in Providence. Uh, he said he did enjoy his acting days, but writing he knew would always be his true calling. Guys, we had the opportunity to talk about a lot of stuff. The book he's currently got out now called Get in the Car, Jane. It is one of the most impressive books because what it does, it talks about uh, from a third-party perspective. He has people that give their first-hand observations about the, the two writing duo, uh, people like Lucille Ball and Brooke Shields, Frank Sinatra, the Wayans Brothers, even people like Andrew Dice Clay and Richard Lewis along, of course, with Bob uh, Newhart and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's just a who's who, guys, in this book that we talk about, and we literally talk about everything. We cover from when they met back in high school all the way up until the passing of Miss Millmore and now beyond. So hang in there, guys, because after the break, we're going to bring it to you with my man, Mr. Billy Van Zandt. That's just a quick word from us here at World Wally. Um, we are always looking for support from our listeners to help continue our purpose, continue our drive, continue our mission. Uh, here at World Wally, we strive to provide top-notch, compelling content that appeals to all ages and backgrounds. We do approach the podcast as a vehicle to deliver this information in a way that everyone, even the common man or common woman, feels that content speaks directly to them. We can only continue to provide thought-provoking and engaging conversations and guests with your help and your support. World Wally is nothing without you, the listener, and your support. Thank you from all of us here at World Wally. If you want to become part of our journey here as this project continues, uh, find out more at our Patreon link uh, at www.patreon.com front slash world of Wally. Uh, you also will be able to find it in the episode notes of each episode throughout season two. Like I said, guys, we couldn't do it without you. We don't want to do it without you. So anything you can do to help, we appreciate it. And as always, guys, Wally out. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. And as promised today, my guest, Mr. Billy Van Zant. Billy, how are you doing today? I am doing terrifically. Thank you. Are we going by Billy or are we going by William, which is a very solid name, I might add. I never went for the William. <laughs> William was my father, so I was Billy. I understand. Well, I, I, am, a, I am a William, and uh, my biggest deal was down here because I'm from the South. Everybody wanted to call me Billy, and I'm like, I'm not a Billy. I'm a William. So, all right. <laughs> so, let's get into it. You, uh, If we talked about everything that you've actually done over the last few years of your life, we'd be here about three days. So we're going we're going to kind of jump around and hit some different things you got going on. Now, okay. let's start off first of all 
you have written nine literary masterpieces that go all the way back to 1980 and, and your most current project is 2020. And that was your newest book. It's titled Get in the Car, Jane. So let's start off. Let's talk a little bit about what is what is Get in the Car, Jane? What's what's it about? It's a memoir of all the uh, TV shows that Jane, uh, my writing partner, Jane Milmore, and I had worked on. Uh, I kept I kept journals on all the TV shows that we worked on. And I started putting this book together. Uh, and every chapter is a different TV show that we created or produced or wrote. And uh, through that, throughout the course of the book, you'll sort of learn what a, an executive producer, creator, writer does. But more importantly, you'll hear a lot of good gossipy stories that are pretty funny. And um, I wrote it for my kids initially, so they understood what daddy did at the office all day because they knew my plays. We have 25 plays. They, they, they knew that because they would come to the theater and go through the rehearsal process and they understood everything. But the TV shows, they, it was just the, they didn't know what that was. So I started this as a book for them, and it just took off and had a life of its own. And um, I'm pretty happy with it. It's, it, it uh, for a, a minute and a half, I was uh, number one on Amazon, which was kind of fun. For a minute and, and a half. <laughs> uh, so it's, been, it's, been re- it's been really great. So, um, so if you wrote about everything that you and her did together, the, the book's about 6,000 pages then. It's uh, and yeah, you said and you said it's a you said it's a different chapter for every project you guys worked on. Just the TV shows. Oh, just the, the TV plays. shows. Okay. I'll write another book for the plays, and See. I'll never write another book for the the movie stuff. This is just the TV shows, all the sitcoms we worked on, starting with Bob Newhart. Uh, we did Martin Lawrence and the Martin Show. Uh, we wrote for Don Rickles. We wrote for. Who else did we write for? Let's Bucky. see. Here's a quick list: okay. uh, Newhart, Martin. The Hughleys, Suddenly Susan, Daddy Dearest, Anything But Love, and The Wayans Brothers. And that's not all of them. That's just that's just some I put down because I could not believe that one human being could be tied to that much material. <laughs> well, I, I did have a partner, so it wasn't it wasn't as hard as you as it sounded. But, you uh, you yeah, stayed busy. Time. You stayed busy for quite a while if you were if you were part of all those projects. So. Yeah, we've all- We've always done about three things at once. We, we would be writing our next play while we were working on a sitcom. As soon as the sitcom would end, we'd jump back east and do a play out of New York or New Jersey. And okay. then when the play ended, we'd be back doing TV again. We went back and forth like that for 46 years. So you and Miss Millmore wrote together for 46 years. So you got... Yes, started, you got we started when I was two. You started when you were yeah, two. That's, I, I was sure. just wondering how you wrote for that many years together because both of y'all had to have been children when you started. So we met in high school. Give we a little backstory about Miss Millmore. How how did you guys meet, and was the chemistry there immediately, and all that kind of stuff? So yeah, it was. We met in high school, well, two two different high schools in New Jersey. We met at a, a theater competition. Uh, a, a local theater held a, a, a competition with all the different schools in the area. And uh, Jane did a scene from her school. I did a scene from my school. And the producer of that theater put us together in a Neil Simon play that summer. Uh, and that's when we started dating and we started working together. And uh, somewhere along the way, we grew up and realized we shouldn't be dating each other. And uh, <laughs> we, we married other people. And then, um, but we, the, 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 the interesting and weird part of the whole thing 
is we we basically we weren't married, but we basically had a, an ugly divorce at one point and uh, got back together as friends very slowly and then best friends and then you know, sort of soulmate friends and all without missing one single day of work in 46 years. The term we use, the term we use down here where I'm from is called work wife. She was your work wife. She was my work wife. Absolutely right. All right. Absolutely. So what was, what was the very first project you two guys ever worked together as a team? What was your very first project? Uh, writing together, the first thing we did was a play called Love, Sex, and the IRS. It was a farce about a, uh, a, a two guys, two musicians who live together, and uh, one, played by me, discovers his roommate to save them money, told the IRS that uh, Leslie, my character, was a woman and they were married. And the IRS shows up to investigate and... Uh, at the same time, uh, my roommate's mother shows up. His girlfriend shows up. It was it was a farce in the in the style of like a, uh, a Fado farce from the from the from France. And uh, it, I also explain it as sort of like a bunch of I Love Lucy episodes all streamed together, <laughs> and a lot of physical comedy. And uh, and that was our first. Uh, it was successful enough where we got a publisher. Uh, Samuel French out of New York, and they said that they would take our next two plays. And we didn't plan on writing two more plays, but since they were going to take them, we sat down and wrote two more. And over the years, we've done 25 of those things. Now, that's 25 that you've done together. You guys have actually written and starred in them together. Now, I saw a crazy number. You... And I, I don't know. It's, it's got to be you. Well, I don't know. It could be it's both of y'all together, I guess. 300-plus theatrical production projects? Where, where did that no, number? No, 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 300. We did three, over 300 hours of TV. 300 so, hours. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, 300 no, hours. Our plays are, we've been very lucky with our plays. They're done all over the world. They're done in different languages. Uh, all, all 25 are done. They're done everywhere, which is great. It just, uh, but you know, when you started up, when we started off, it was two actors writing a, a play to give themselves something to star in, and who knew it was going to turn out like this? And then the TV stuff came about because uh, people had known us from our plays, and they brought us out to write for Bob Newhart. So okay. that's how we made the transition. So there. you guys started in theater. If you would have never gone past theater, would you have been perfectly content and happy and satisfied? Or did you eventually see your career evolving from that to something else? I would have been perfectly content being in the theater for the rest of my life. But the, uh, I, I, I will say theater does not pay the same as television. So I, I'm happy we made the move. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. Because that, from like when you were a small boy, I mean, was that kind of what you wanted to do? Like, was that... When, when you went to when, career day, when they were asking you about career day, did you get up and say, I'm going to be a playwright? They, they knew, they knew when I knew when I was 10 years old, I wanted to, I wanted to perform comedy and I wanted to write my own shows. Um, and uh, all my, all through school, uh, the teachers always uh, encouraged me. I wrote the plays for us for my classes in grammar school. I wrote the plays for us in junior high. I ran a, a children's theater program out of the same local theater that Jane and I met at. And I would write new uh, fractured fairy tale shows every week and, and direct those. So I was always doing stuff. We, we've, we've made a practice uh, over the years. I always have 
three or four things going at one time. I'm either whatever play I'm in at the time, I'm writing the next one while I'm selling TV shows or I'm directing something else. Because uh, I figure if you the more things you do, if one thing doesn't work out, you jump to the next thing and keep going. Like I told you earlier, as I was just kind of running through all your information, I was exhausted just reading it. So I know you've got to be tired from doing it. Let's Okay, the, the two of you guys, though, really found your mojo when you started writing for TV. Yes. I mean, how, how did that come about? Like, you, the Newhart people spotted one of your projects and said, they're the ones. The, uh, the, the uh, Newhart was in his seventh season, and the... The two guys running the two the two guys running the uh, the place uh, were were proteges of Bob Carroll Jr. and Madeline Davis, who uh, wrote for I Love Lucy, so there's a connection there. And uh, Mark and Mark who were the two guys who ran the show. Uh, they tracked us down through our plays because they were also big theater guys, and so we came out. Uh, really just to write for Newhart. And I, at the time, I thought, well, Jesus, is going to be like a one-year job, but then I'll get back to my acting career. And I called up my agent to say, I don't know if I should take this. It's going to take me you know, out of uh, acting for like a year. I don't know if I should do this. And the fact that the agent never called me back to discuss it, I sort of figured I didn't have that much of a career to worry about. <laughs> Riding on the wall. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you have mentioned I Love Lucy twice in the first 10 yeah. minutes we, we've been talking. Uh, yeah. it's a, that's a huge influence on your style. Um, so I'm assuming you're like a lot of us. You grew up watching I Love Lucy. Uh, you probably at that time knew she was a genius, a comedic genius. But at that time, we didn't we didn't know she was a comedic genius. We just knew she was the funniest lady on television. We knew that for a yeah. fact. I, I grew up in New Jersey, and uh, the, the stations out of New York City that we would get, they would show... I Love Lucy, and then the Lucy Show, her second series, mm -hmm. they show them probably eight, ten times a day. And I watched them eight, ten times a day. So you, you knew know. material by heart. Yeah, I did. I did. And uh, what I liked about it was, well, first of all, her timing was impeccable, and right. it taught me timing. But her, her writers taught me how to structure a script. I would study the scripts. And they would plant little seeds along the way that would pay off in the final scene. And it was, it really was a good learning experience the more I studied it. I think when people start out in, in comedy, um, everybody's going to find whoever their idol is, if you want to call it that. Um, and the more you study them, it's because I think you have the same ear as the person you're studying, but they're the master and you're the student, you know, and I think that's why I was directed towards, towards Lucy and I love Lucy. And I learned later that she, uh, I learned about Buster Keaton through her because that's who taught her. And if you study his style and you study her style, you'll see a lot of similarities, um, broad physical comedy, but completely believable, not, not, not dumb physical comedy with people just tripping for no reason. It's, it's really smart physical comedy, and it's believable. That's the thing that sold it for me, was you would put Lucy in the most outlandish uh, situations, and you believed entirely that she was, she was there. You know, it wasn't her trying to be funny. It was the character trying to survive, basically, and that's what taught me. Um, 
I got to work with her, uh, which was a, a dream come true in her for her last TV series. Uh, I spent about three weeks with her on the set and uh, we got to be very chummy. It was really great. I was a kid in the candy store there. And I also got to appear very briefly, like a four line role on the show. And, uh, and then she invited me to her house to watch the, uh, the series debut. And, uh, it was uh, an incredible, incredible time for me. It was hard not to be a fanboy around your eyes. Oh, I was, so. I was definitely a fanboy. <laughs> and here, here's a, a, a to give you some re, uh, idea. When I first came out to Los Angeles, I had done the movie Jaws two, mm-hmm. and I went. And when I they took me out to Los Angeles to film a couple scenes, I went straight from the airport to Lucy's house because I wanted to meet her. And uh, Jane, who was my girlfriend at the time. She, she started to freak out because I started to get out of the car. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I, I, I want to meet her. And, yeah. Lucy, and, and Jane hid under the dashboard. And I walked up to the front door and I knocked on the door. And the uh, houseboy answered. And I said, Billy Van Zandt's here to see Lucille Ball. And uh, he said, she's not home and slammed the door in my face. Ten years later, I was in the house with Lucy and, and everybody watching the show. And we were talking afterwards. And I said, did you ever meet Charlie Chaplin? I said, I can see his influence in your work, but I never saw a picture of the two of you together. She said, no, but I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, my husband Gary and I were in Switzerland in 1976, and I found out where Chaplin lived, so we drove over to the house. But Gary wouldn't get out of the car. He hid under the dashboard. And I got out, and I walked up the walkway, and I knocked on the door, and I said, Lucille Ball's here to see Charlie Chaplin. And they slammed the door in my face. Now, I... I never told her my part of the same exact story because we had just been talking about the fact that her house was very exposed. There was no big wall. It was right on the street. You could, right. Anybody, including me, could walk up to the front door. And uh, they were saying, no, no, for security, if fans get out of hand, we just press one button and bars will come down over the windows. And I thought, if I tell my story, they're going to throw me out and put the bars <laughs> up. So I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Well, she was a huge influence, and and like I said, she also, uh, her style, you know, could change with the situation. I see that influence in some of your writing because some of the the, the, uh, shows that you wrote for on television are pretty diverse. I mean, Newhart, uh, now Martin and the Hughleys and the Wayans brothers, I could see where there's some similarities in those three shows, but Newhart's a totally different style of comedic uh, writing, yeah. uh, anything but yeah. love is totally different. Suddenly, Susan, you took it from from like its birth, like it. You were the actual concept creator of Suddenly Susan, weren't you? No, originally there was a man named uh, a guy named Clyde Phillips, very good writer. He he was he, he wrote dramas, mm-hmm. and he wrote a drama script called Suddenly Susan. And Brooke Shields was interested in it, mm-hmm. but NBC wanted it to be a comedy so it could oh. go after Seinfeld and all these other shows. So they hired, <clears throat> excuse me, they hired uh, Jane and me to turn his drama into a comedy, and uh, it was it's a pretty interesting chapter in the book. I think we were we were sort of hoodwinked into taking over the show because we weren't planning on doing that. We were on our way back east to do another play, and they uh, Warner Brothers who was we were under contract to them. Said, could you at least give notes about what's wrong with the script that he wrote? Because he tried to do a, a, his version of a comedy. And I said, well, yeah, we can do that. 
and we walked into a meeting with the president of NBC and he announced to the entire room full of people that Billy and Jane had just come over to take over the show and we had never worked for NBC and it was like we're we can't say no to this now yeah so we had to create the show from scratch over the weekend write the show cast the show and start filming it and turn it in literally two weeks from the time we walked into that meeting and it got picked up on the fall schedule went on after Seinfeld and it was the most exhausting two weeks of my life but uh, the show got on the air well I've had the opportunity like I said all these that we just talked about I had an opportunity. I grew up on a lot of this stuff you know I, um, especially like New Heart I love New Heart uh, Martin Martin Lawrence one of the funniest human beings on the planet uh, D.L. Yeah. Hughley, I loved his stand-up, and and it, and you were able to take his amazing stand-up and really forge it into a television show that was actually pretty good. And then, yeah. of course, the Wayans brothers, I, I, there's no words to describe those guys as a group. Um, <laughs> now, suddenly, Susan, I was, I remember when that show came out, and I was actually shocked that uh, you could make Brooke Shields funny. I mean, I... I, I mean, I, I guess that's a compliment to you, I guess. But uh, and then uh, and then now, Daddy Dearest, that's the only one that I wasn't hundred percent for me with. Is that a Don Rickles? Don Rickles and Richard Lewis. Okay, Don Rickles right. and Richard Lewis. I knew that. I knew it sounded familiar. Um, Richard had uh, we had written for Richard on anything but love with yes. Jamie Lee Curtis, and he came to us because he had a deal with Fox to do a show with Don Rickles, and he asked if Jane and I would write it. So we did. And it was probably the most fun I've had on any show in my entire career. Don was the greatest guy in the world, sweetest guy in the world. Uh, Richard was, you know, crazy fun. And we had Renee Taylor on that as Don's ex-wife. Every week was just a ball. The problem with it was it was we created it at the beginning of the height of political correctness. Oh, okay. And and if you know Don Rickles' act, it it's ain't not politically correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so, a, that's a, that was a that was an oil and water situation there. You want to show him off doing what he did, right? The network went uh, uh, one eighty, and they they tried to turn it into a kindly grandfather role. It's like no, it's Don Rickles. So we fought back and forth. I ultimately liked the show. We did the uh, the uh, ratings were great. But the reviews, they didn't like us. Um, I have a stack, probably two inches thick, of nothing but nasty reviews about Jane and me for writing that show. But uh, it was one of the most fun times I ever had. Well, that's what keeps writers motivated, is those bad reviews. And every... You know, I don't remember any good reviews. I just don't. <laughs> but I, I almost, when I wrote the book, I was going to put an entire chapter of just those bad reviews in, and Jane talked me out of it. So I didn't do it, but the I mean the L.A. Times said Jane and I should be beaten with wire hangers for writing that show. Holy cow! <laughs> kind of nasty. All right, so uh, you are one of the most well-established writers in history. Uh, just to be honest, you, you've had so many projects to your credit. You said you wanted to be an actor, though. You said you wanted to be a comedic actor. Mm -hmm. But some of the movies that you are most well known for as an actor aren't comedies. Yes, right. Like you That's made your true. film debut true. in Jaws 2. That's not a comedy. Not uh, a comedy. You also not worked in, uh, let's see, you also had a role in Star Trek, the motion picture. Not a comedy. Uh, 
And then, of course, Taps, which is, in my opinion, I, that movie, I've, I've seen that movie probably 50 times. That is one of the best movies that I've watched in my lifetime. I um, agree. I love that movie. Mainly because you worked alongside an absolute legend in George C. Scott. An absolute, this guy, he, he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of you know, the of the actor's world. And I then, of course, you. You, work with a, you, know, you work with a few scrubs, though. You work with a guy named Tim Hutton. And Sean Penn and this dude named Tom Cruise. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how they turned out, but I think you did okay there. <laughs> yeah, everybody in that cast turned out pretty yeah. good. Uh, George C. Scott was not cast when we first got to the the, the set. We didn't know who was going to play that role. Mm-hmm. And about a week went by, and suddenly it was George C. Scott. And suddenly it was like, oh, this yeah. is, you know, we're royalty now. Yeah, he walked in and, a room. It was probably hard to breathe. <laughs> well, you know what? We never. I never talked to the man. I was terrified of him. We were, I was, I shared an elevator with him at one point and I just, I refused, you know, I didn't say anything. So he, he, he wasn't particularly friendly. He was polite, but he wasn't particularly chummy with anybody. He traveled with a man who played chess with him anytime he wasn't in front of the camera. So there was never any opportunity to get to know the guy that he would shoot his scene. Then he'd play chess, shoot a scene, play chess. It was crazy. Well, that's a crazy twisted story there. I, that's a fact that probably nobody ever knew that George yeah. C. Scott played chess every and, moment that he that he wasn't on on screen. And the funny thing to me is that movie was originally known as the movie that starred George C. Scott and Timothy Hutton. Mm-hmm. Now it's known as the movie that starred Sean Penn and Tom Cruise. Yeah, you know it was their first. It was Tom's second movie, I think. Sean's first movie. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Tim Hutton at that point was he was kind of the, the one of the hot newcomers. Sean Penn was an absolute. Oscar. He won yeah. his Oscar while we were shooting the film. Yeah, Sean Penn was an absolute unknown. Tom Cruise at that yep. point, which blows my mind that Tom Cruise is ever unknown. Well, I mean, what was, <laughs> you're pretty good at reading people. I mean, you got to be if you're able to write scripts. Um, yeah. And you know, because I know you you have to work hand in hand with the casting directors. You know, after a script's written, so you're pretty good at reading people's abilities and the way you can kind of morph the writing around them. So what was your first opinion of, of your cast from Black Taps, for example? You know, Tim Hutton, yeah, of course, he was kind of Tim established. But what about Sean Penn and Tom Cruise? I mean... I had I had a lot of fun with Sean and Tom. Uh, Sean had just come from a Broadway play called Slab Boys, and this was his first movie. And he was very method, very method. He was in character. He wanted everybody in character around him. And I used to laugh at him for that because I don't do that. And, uh, but he got away with it. Everybody, everybody countered to whatever Sean wanted to do to get into the right role. But what Tom was incredibly innocent and naive, I think, uh, he had only done a one scene, uh, role in a Brooke Shields movie prior to our our film. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he was very influenced by Sean who you know, he, if Sean said everybody had to be in character, then he was going to be in character. He was gullible is what I think he was. And um, Sean and, and Tom's character hated each other in the film. So Sean would show up on, on days that he wasn't even supposed to be filming just to stand behind the camera and antagonize Tom while Tom was shooting a different scene. Just so when they shot their scene together, Tom would hate him a little more, you know. And so it was kind of funny to watch them. Uh, but we all hung out together. Tom and uh, Tom, Tim, Sean, and I hung out together a lot. Um, John Carlo Esposito, who's so brilliant in Breaking Bad, he's also in the film. 
Evan Handler, who went on to Sex and the City and Californication. He's, he was in the film. It was a great cast who, of people. Of that group, because all, you you, all you guys were young and impetuous back then. Of yeah. all that group, who do you think was kind of the, the diamond in the rough? I mean, let's not say Cruz because I mean, you know, we know what, the one that that right now, if if you said their name, people'd be like, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because I don't even remember that. You know, you see what I'm saying? Who was who was that hidden gem that was was in the cast? Probably Giancarlo Esposito. I, I don't think a lot of people remember him from that because um, he's had so many great roles since. But um, but watching Tom, we, we hid in the rafters the, when he shot the scene where he at the end where he goes nuts and shoots everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching that filmed, I knew he was going somewhere. You knew? Really, was you were really already cool. trying to figure out what projects you were going to write for him, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so I got two just side questions here I've got to ask because I know you were part of Jaws, the second mm-hmm. one, and that, you know, Jaws Mania. I, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, interview Carl Gottlieb, and I've had the, inter- uh, the opportunity oh. to interview um, Jeffrey Voorhees. And, uh-huh. and they both talk about the, the mania that surrounds the Jaws franchise. I mean, have you been dragged into that? I mean, do they always constantly contact you about trying to go to different Jaws-related events, you know, try to be part the Jaws, of them? The Jaws fans are... are phenomenal they are so loyal to it's it's almost like trekkies with star trek um they know every inch of every film uh and they're the sweetest people uh, they're really great I've, I've, I've we we did a, a couple of conventions uh the the cast because uh, we're all we all stayed very good friends and um it's almost like that's our high school graduation class, and we all get together every once in a while. Like they yeah. almost oh, it's, that's that's how they refer to it as reunions. It's like you guys get together for yeah. reunions. And what I ended up doing, which I, I loved, is uh, Tom Dunlop, who was in the film, called me. He was coming out to California, and he said, let's have dinner. And I said, okay. And, you know, I was going to have dinner with Gigi Vorgan, who's also in the film. I said, I'll call her, and she'll join us. He said, great. And then I hung up, and I thought about it, and I started – calling people and within 48 hours this is probably maybe eight years ago within 48 hours the entire living cast of jaws 2 and the crew and carl and carl gottlieb and janos work we all got together for dinner and it was like we had just left each other the day before we had such a great time together it's a family so, reunion of sorts all right and that my, my follow-up question and you brought it up just a second ago star trek you are connected to Star Trek, and you will always be connected to Star Trek, no matter how large or how small a role you ever played in anything associated with it. So, what about yeah. Comic Con? I mean, do you do you? Are I you have asked never been. I have never been invited to a really? convention for Star Trek. I don't know what I did to these people, but they've never asked me. In fact. My, my ex-wife, Adrienne, she was also in a couple of the, the, the Star Trek TV shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was at uh, one of those big conventions out in, in Vegas for Star Trek. And she said, you know, my, uh, my husband is in the first Star Trek movie. You know, you want him to come out here too? No, it's okay. <laughs> so so uh, at some point, uh, I would love to do one of those things. 
I was just curious because I know you were talking about Star Trek. Star Trek, Star Wars, Jaws, they the fan bases are absolutely insane when it comes to those type projects. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um you're an extremely talented individual. And I do want to bring up somebody else in your family that's a, he's okay, I guess. He's okay. You happen to have a brother, a half brother. Uh, and he his he's known I always knew him as little Stevie. Stephen Van Zant, uh, he is part of the, or he was part of the E Street Band. I, he's still is. Still okay, is. I wasn't sure because I had heard a rumor that he was walking away for a while. And of course, Bruce Springsteen broke on the scene. He's part of the E Street Band. He's living a rock star lifestyle now. Were you and him both musicians back in the day, or did you let him handle the musician part and you gonna handle everything else? No, the the. Uh... I I acted and he did he did music. And okay. We stayed out of each other's business. Then he got onto the Sopranos as an actor. Right. At the same time, Jane and I started writing musicals. We turned our plays into musicals. Right. So I sort of bridged into his. He sort of bridged into mine. Now we just do everything. You know, whatever comes our way, we just do it. <laughs> All right. And and I can I would be remiss when we're talking about talent that runs within your family. You happen to have married one of the most talented individuals in the world, especially when she was in her absolute prime as, a, as an actress, Adriana Barbeau. That's right. Tell me, right. tell me what it was like, because you were a rock star from a writer standpoint. You know, you have a rock star brother. She at one point was in everything. I mean, gee, I remember yeah. seeing her on a screen. It seems like every six months she was either on a television screen or a, or a movie screen. She's still, working. She's still working all the time, all the time. She must have done six movies last year. Yeah. Just you, cranks them out. I know? mean. And, uh, no, she's great. We, you, we, we, you know, we, we split up, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but uh, we're still very close. Um you know, mother of my kids. I think say you have two sons, right? Uh, twin boys, yeah. right? Twin boys, 23. One's a, 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 a musician, producer. Got his first gold record last year. Oh. And uh, my other son is a streetwear designer. And uh, my stepson, Cody, is a musician, John Carpenter's son. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all uh, doing Your family okay. just oozes with talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My my wife's a huge Grease fan, and of course they love the Broadway style productions of, of everything. Sure. So so at one point, I mean, you were married to Rizzo uh, from the Grease. Yeah, that's she was actually Rizzo in the original Broadway production of Grease, correct? Yeah. And then of course I remember watching her for quite a while back years ago when I was a younger chap in Maud, which is still I love that show. I was so glad to see. Uh, the matriarch of that show, when the Golden Girls came out, I got a chance to watch her for a few years after that. And then you, your ex-wife also started in The Fog, Escape from New York, Creep Show, Swamp Thing, Back to School, and then Argo. And I didn't realize she was in Argo, because I got to go back and watch that. Because Argo yeah. was was, a, was one of those critically acclaimed movies. So. It was great. It was, it's a great film. It's she great she film. kept, I can see, she kept a lot of pressure on you. You had to keep performing, you know, you yeah. Because she's cranking out all these these film efforts and these TV efforts, and you're like, man, I got a I got a whole par. Yeah, so we're, we're not slackers in our family, man. We just keep going, just keep grinding, just keep grinding. Right, so two years, two years after my divorce, um, uh, I started dating, and I'm still with Teresa Ganzel, who you'd know from uh, all the Johnny Carson sketches. Uh, she was the matinee lady, 
and she uh, starred in The Toy with Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Yes. I had Scotty Schwartz on my show not long ago. I think oh, yeah. he, he yeah. actually mentioned her, as a matter of fact. So, okay. look at you, man. You okay. are heavily connected. So, um, you also did I also hear you say that you have a stepson? His father is John Carpenter. Yeah, he was. Oh, Adrian was married to John Carpenter before me. John Carpenter of of horror fame. John Carpenter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. You get in Hollywood, man. Everybody, everybody knows everybody. Everybody's, you know, well, everybody's. Like what can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Hey, when you're the guy, you're the guy. I understand that. So, um, what do you, what we got going on right now? Like, I I don't. I was expecting you to say, and then I took a hiatus of four or five years just to recuperate. But I'm no, pretty sure that. Quite, I I love what I do so much. I don't feel like I've ever worked a day in my life. I've just been playing. You know. Um, the, the pandemic has shut down my productions all over the world, obviously. And uh, that's been that's been weird to not have a show to go do. We were we were touring our 25th play is a show called The Boomer Boys Musical. Mm -hmm. Four guys uh, talking about the changes men of a certain age go through. Mm. And it's a pretty funny show. We toured that for about two years. And then the pandemic hit and everything stopped. And once the uh, once the once the theater world opens up again, which I hope is soon, uh, we'll be back out doing that again. And uh, I'm working on uh, well, Jane just passed away uh, in February, mm -hmm. uh, unexpected um, uh, pancreatic cancer, just out of the blue. She didn't even have a symptom. She just turned yellow overnight. And suddenly, they told mm -hmm. her what she had, um, and she survived that for 15 months. Um, and we kept thinking it's the wrong diagnosis, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, she insisted we keep working the entire time. I worked with her two days a week through that entire illness. And, um, we thought, you know, once, once they figure out what this is and cure it, we'll just, but, uh, eventually it got her. And, um, so I've got a lot of half written projects with Jane that are still around that I'm going to finish up on too. Okay, I, I I knew she had passed away not that long ago. That's why I was wondering, were you kind of stepping back, taking a breath, trying to kind of refocus well, like, what you were like, wanting to do? Or? I don't like doing nothing. Like That's my, right. My, we were, my father is an ex -marine, was an ex-Marine, and he drummed into us a very strong work ethic, which we've all abused terribly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he always said, I don't care if you dig ditches, as long as it's the best ditch that anyone's ever dug. It's like, okay, got it. So, uh, so we're, uh, I, I, I don't like sitting idle because mostly because I have too much fun doing what I do for a living. So the pandemic, like I said, kind of put everything, kind of put the brakes on everything. I just figured that you were sitting in your study behind the computer, just plugging out new concepts and new ideas. And you probably got a stack six feet tall that you're ready to start yeah, working I a, on. I got a stack. <laughs> now, let me, a stack. quick question for you. Now you, You've essentially worked with everybody. I mean, I, yeah. is there one person that you would love to work on a project with that you have not had that opportunity to in in all the time that you've been doing this? Most of the people I want to work with uh, died in the 1940s, I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tina Fey, I'd like to work with her. Tina Fey, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, just, I... I, I I like the way her mind works. Um, Comedian-wise, 
I've really worked with a lot of great people. So uh, I've never worked with Steve Martin and Martin Short. I'd like to work with the two of them. Well, you better hurry because neither one of them are getting any younger. That's for sure. <laughs> well, who is? You know? you know, the crazy thing about Steve Martin is Steve Martin to me has looked the same for about the last 15 years. The guy just keeps yeah. getting funnier and funnier, though. So, Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's uh, Tina Fey. Interesting. I would have never in a million years picked Tina Fey. With all the folks you've worked with, I was I was expecting you to come up with somebody that nobody had ever heard of because, like I said, you're constantly searching you know, the soul, yeah, I guess, finding those folks that nobody actually knows anything about, and you turn them into stars. There you go. There you go. I would say you turned, you know, the Hughleys and Martin and the Wayans and, you know, all those to stars, but I guess they were sort of getting, you just pushed them over the edge is what it was. They were sort of stars, but you pushed them to that mega star level. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. I mean, they're the ones. Like Richard that, Lewis, for example. And I just, I just opened the door. If That's it wouldn't have been for you, look, Richard Lewis would have never made it. Thank goodness you came along when you did. He's a funny guy, man. <laughs> he, is, he is absolutely hilarious. All right, so I got to, I want to, before uh, I give you an opportunity to kind of, uh, share your your book information where it can be found and any any way to contact and all that. I have a, a a crazy way to end. I want to end it today. As you know, most people they depending on you know where, where they're from, country of origin, all that kind of stuff. I know, for example, with me, for example, my my surname. Um, there's a story floating around on my surname that when my ancestors came over to America. They actually dropped, my last name is Wally, W-A-L-L-E-Y. Well, I was told, there's a story floating around, that it used to be W-H-A-L-L-E-Y, and they dropped the H when they came over. So, in that same vein, do you or do you not have some cousins in the Jacksonville, Florida area that that you guys either don't claim or they don't claim y'all? Because they happen to be a pretty famous Van Zant also, but they don't have the D. They're just Z-A-N-T. They are oh. Ronnie, Johnny, and Donnie Van Zant of uh, 38 Special and Leonard Skinner fame. I'll tell you a horrible story, actually, that occurred to me on Jaws 2. My brother Steve, and we're not, we're not related that I know of, but we, they, we have to be somewhere because the name is not very common. But uh, when I was on Jaws 2, my brother was touring with Bruce in the E Street Band. Mm-hmm. And this is before cell phones, remember? Mm-hmm. And somebody pounded on my hotel room door one night, and I thought, you know, we did a lot of pranks on that show, so I thought that was what that was. The next day, I got into the van at the hotel to go to the location, and somebody said, are you related to the rock star band Xander who died in the plane crash last night? Oh, my God. Your heart sunk at that point. My heart went through the floor, and I got off the thing, and I, uh, off the van, I called my parents and tried to you know, tentatively, you know, hi, have you heard from Steven? You know, and no, we haven't heard him from him. And I was like, oh man, it took me half a day to, f- to find out what had actually happened. And, uh, yeah, because communication was, was not like it is today. Oh, not at all. And the, 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 the sort of funny part was, um, my brother came back from the tour and he walked just a couple days later and he walked into my parents' house and they were floral arrangements that all, their parent, all my parents' friends had sent for my mm. brother's funeral, which wasn't his funeral. And uh, he just looked around, and at one point he looked at some little 
tiny arrangement. He went, that's all they thought of me. <laughs> and, uh, and the, and the odd, oddly, the same thing happened when uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan died. I guess that sounded like Stevie Van Zandt. My brother's been... Man, you know, they've tried to put your brother in the ground two or three times, haven't they? Three, three times, I think. He's been he's gotten floral arrangements. Well, the, but, uh, the location where the actual plane crash occurred uh, is less than probably it's about probably 35 miles from where i'm sitting right now doing this right? doing this interview no. so yeah a little place no. called gillsburg mississippi it's actually a community it's not even a real town it's just a community so oh, wow. that's why i was curious though because if you, there's there's not a lot of family resemblance there you know i pull some of their pictures and, and you and your brother and all now you and your brother well, we, have, we have my mother's we have hey. the italian we have the Italian eyes, you know. My father was Dutch. But, yeah, uh, you and your brother will never be able to uh, to deny each other because they y'all look strikingly similar. But uh, those just, other guys, I don't, I don't have the bandana. Well, see, well that's true. I was I was a little disappointed that you didn't come that's in with it. With you can tell us apart. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I said, I um I was just curious. That's a little curiosity question I want to throw out there because if you said, oh yeah, we're like because because you know the whole music connection. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I really believe you probably were like a, I don't know, like a Juilliard trained guitarist. You said, ah, forget this junk. I'm going to start, I'm going to do playwrights and I'm going to write TV comedies, what I'm going to do. No, I never played anything. Uh, no, no, but uh, I should start to take it up, I guess. Well, sir, I am glad to see that you have limitations because I was not sure <laughs> if you had any limitations at all. You know, you're like me when it comes to music. I. I can't sing a lick, and I, when it comes to playing, I can't even play the radio correctly. So, <laughs> Well, sir, before you get out of here, first of all, I want to thank you for taking time out of your crazy, insane, busy schedule. Um, tell us uh, where we can find the new book that you've got out, Get in the Car, Jane, and, of course, any other current project stuff you got going on or any way we can contact you social media-wise. Go ahead, go ahead and share that with my listeners. Okay. The, uh, the book is Get in the Car, Jane, uh, Adventures in the TV Wasteland. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it uh, at Barnes & Noble. And I think they're selling uh, autographed hardcover copies from my actual website, which is www.vanzant, with a D, milmore, M-I-L-M-O-R-E, dot com. And um, other than that, I'm readying... Uh, another company of uh, the Boomer Boys musical. We don't have any bookings yet because we're waiting to see if theater exists anymore, but as soon as it does, you'll see us out mm. there. And uh, I would love to give you my handle on Instagram and uh, Twitter, but I don't remember what it is. So if you just look up Billy Van's head, you'll probably find it or go to our website and you'll find it there. Well, what we'll do, what we'll do is after we get done here, I'll uh, I'll get you or I'll get uh, Jan to just email that information to me, and I'll make sure it gets in the episode notes. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. That Thank sounds you. fantastic. You know, somebody's got to help you because you got a lot going on. So, <laughs> That's right. like I said, Mr. Van Zant, thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule, and I hope to speak to you sometime in the future. I would love it. Thanks so much. I had fun. Have a great day, and as always, guys, Wally out. I share my thoughts and have engaging discussions with various guests, tackling all types of topics from religion, politics, sports, social media, and also current events and everyday observations from my very own life. Just a small town guy with some big time opinions. 
Love me or hate me, but you will want to listen in weekly on the podcast, World of Wally.